has already come. I was talking to Brother Cliff a little bit about it. I just thank God for the change that God can bring in lives. Amen. I legitimately, a few uh, years ago, made the comment thinking, you know, honestly, do people ever really change? Do people ever really change? Because sometimes looking at people, it's hard to it's hard to remember just how much they actually have changed. Amen. David's laughing very loudly. <laughs> Just looking across this room. Just looking across this room, it's obvious that God really does work in people's lives. But somewhere around 2016 is when the change, when I really first noticed it, and someone that I had directly worked with. Uh, we come back from that camp that year, and Brother Texas came in just like he did at every other camp for the last five years. Rip, tearing and shouting and saying, oh yeah, I'm going to do this and this and this. And he was one of probably three other boys that was also saying that uh, uh, Brother Bobby Vassar was one of the other ones and this and that. And, you know, people come back from those events acting like that. And I was like, nah, give me three months. Huh. He just kept going. He just kept doing it. And then November he preached his first message. Amen. Amen. I thank God for the change He can bring in people. Yes. Tonight it's going to be no different. He come in that November and just shocked my socks off with how He preached. Amen. He just keeps on doing it. So come on, let's preach the word. Let's hear something. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. Isn't he? Amen. I just got to say I'm excited for this opportunity. Nervous as always, but I can say that Harvest House, you guys have been my lighthouse. I can say that. I can say I know not too many, not too many big ships sail past this place anymore, but you know, things are great, things are coming, and I'm excited that, you know, through all that mess, I still had a great church to turn to and somewhere to dig, somewhere to dig into, someone to lead me to the true lighthouse, and that's Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. Thanks for every single one of you. Thank you for my pastor for allowing me to preach for a lot of the hard times that he's preached in my heart and given me courage to keep going. Thank you for my fiance, soon to be married, somewhere around 40-something days. It's kind of different when you say, I'm thankful for my girlfriend, but it's it's a lot better when you just say, I'm thankful for my fiance. And then I'll get to say, I'm thankful for my wife next time. So I'm pretty happy for that. But I gotta say, the Lord has truly been good. I'm not sure how long I'll be tonight, but uh, when this first when this message first came to me, I I was gonna take it a completely different direction uh, than what I have written here today. But I feel like what I have right now is what the Lord wants me to preach, and hopefully tonight it's gonna change someone's life in this place. You know, if my my mission up here tonight is to let someone. Just, if just one person leaves change, then the word God given me didn't go to waste. And, and I want someone to leave this place changed tonight. I want someone to leave this place different. Even if even if that person is just me and, and I get something good out of this, that's what I want tonight. I want someone to be changed. So if we could stand for the word of the Lord, the reading of the word of the Lord tonight. Thankful to have my sister and my mom here tonight. I didn't know if they were going to be able to make it. 
And Sydney and Destiny and Stephanie, it's just a blessing to see you guys here as well. Thank you for you guys showed up. We're going to be turning to the book of Joshua. Uh, uh, I'm not going to get into my, the text I'm reading now until way later in the message. I just have to say that, but it does connect, I promise you. Uh, we're Joshua chapter 6 and uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 20. When you get there, give me an amen. Amen. Uh, this is obviously talking about Joshua, hence the title of the book of the Bible. <laughs> and it's talking about uh, the walls of Jericho. And in verse 20, it begins to read, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, and that, and that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. So if you could... Bow our heads tonight and let's pray and invite the word of the Lord into our hearts to do something great in this place. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right. You may you may be seated. We kind of rearrange a little bit. It's kind of kind of get organized before I get into this little bit of a boring history lesson I have to go over for just a second. <laughs> and then then we'll but trust me, like I said, it all connects, so don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> I'll get into my title later as well. Oh, I can't get this open. Man, the Lord is good. Tonight, uh, during the end of World War II, it left the world in a state of capitalism versus communism. Germany, now defeated, split into four sectors. World powers like Italy and Japan lay in defeat, while superpowers like America stay on top and rise even higher than that. And others like France and Great Britain also grow in world influence. Germany, after this, eventually becomes unified as West, more of a capitalist Germany, and East, a communist Germany. Uh, East Germans during this time constantly escape uh, for the free Western world-influenced capitalist Germany. They did not want the communism, so they left from the East to the West. Communism, if you did not know tonight, is where all property is publicly owned. Uh, there's no privacy in communism. Uh, each person works and is paid based only on needs and abilities. Uh, it, it's estimated during this time that nearly 2.7 million people fled, us, fled East Germany from the communist grip, from this horrible communist grip that East Germany had. Uh, these communist living conditions were unfair and harsh, but escaping from East to West Germany was not always easy. East Germans had moved from poverty and peril to the promise of refuge across the border, West Germany, where they could live free of communist oppression until there was one night at midnight, August 12th, going into the 13th of 1961, while many East and West Germans slept. Trucks with soldiers and construction workers rumbled through East Berlin. These, these crews began tearing up streets that entered into West Berlin. They dug holes and they put concrete posts and strong, strong barbed wire all across the once free border. Telephone wires were cut 
between East and West Berlin. Uh, they also cut off railroad lines and roads were blocked. Berliners were shocked when they woke up that morning. What, they had, what had once been a very fluid border was now rigid. No longer could East Berliners cross the borders for operas, plays, soccer's, a well-paying job. They could no longer see their families and friends or lovers across the border. Uh, they could no longer go there and meet them. No communication, no way out. And this is the historic start of the long period of the Berlin Wall that divided the country of Germany. Overnight, a 91-mile wall was erected, separating East Berliners from the freedom of West Germany. You may not know it, church, but while we're being complacent and while we're stagnant in our walk with God, the enemy is building a wall. And the purpose of that wall is to separate you from the love of God and separate you from the leaders and the people of the church. It's to separate you from the promise and the vision that God has put in your life now or so many years ago. It's to take away our thirst and hunger for victory that God has promised us. God revealed the victory to a man a long time ago in the Bible. And he has given that same victory to us. And the enemy just erects this wall that's going to linger and put giant shadows over this victory and our thirst for it. Amen. Amen. That's why we have to avoid the wall. Amen. Walter, uh, excuse me, I'm not fluent in German, so what I'm about to read is probably going to be really awful. <laughs> Walter Ulbricht, head of state in East Germany, said, Nymad Heit die abstrikt ein Mauer zur Erechten. These iconic words mean no one intended to build a wall. Said famously two months before the Berlin Wall appeared. You see, the enemy wants you to be comfortable. He doesn't want you to think that out of nowhere the flow of anointing can just stop. He doesn't want you to think that out of nowhere that you're just not going to be able to feel God's love one day. He doesn't want you to think that. He wants you to think that you can be cut off from those things. He wants to put a wall between you and your victory. Amen. From where you live, from the way you live now, he wants to separate you from the promise that he has for your life. He wants to put in the lies of your life that you only live once, so why would you waste your life living for God? And that, that love always wins in the end. When in true, grace wins. God wins in the end. But while we fall for the lives of Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday church are enough to get me to heaven, or only one taste won't get me addicted, or only one look, and I'll be just fine. And during these lives, during these things we take in, the enemy just keeps building this wall. Over years, this wall adapted and changed from barbed wire and posts into concrete and into death strips put inside this wall, no man's land. This wall upgraded to keep East Berliners from escaping because the enemy learns from our mistakes. Amen. And above all else, does not want us to escape. Amen. You see, the Berlin Wall was basically put up overnight. The East Berliners could not leave over through the time of just one night because we never expect the quickness or might of the enemy. It always hits us and leaves us weak and, and breathless on the ground. It always hits us when we don't expect it. Because see, Rivers roared of drastic solutions to be soon enacted upon. Uh, but the comfortability in East Germany and the communist side of East Germany, people had talked about maybe a wall appearing, maybe some drastic changes being made in East Germany. Uh, but the comfortability of East Germany had these people bound. And only during this time, only 20,000 people 
out of a highly populated half of a country decided to take action and leave. Only 20,000 saw it necessary for escape before the clutches of the enemy grasped them up. Before they had to continue living in more communism and harsh situations for, for even somewhere around 20 years or so. No one expected the speed or the absoluteness of the Berlin Wall. You never expect how quick the enemy can grab you up. You never expect how quickly you can get wrapped up in a lie or you can become a casualty of the wall. Tonight I'm preaching casualties of the wall. You see, you may never expect the quickness or might of the enemy. Before there's a wall between you and the promise, between you and the revival, when you can't hear the voice of God anymore, between you and the vision God gave you, because things can fall apart so fast. You see, Samson, once strong and mighty, a powerful man, able to able to kill 10,000 men with just a jawbone, 1,000 men with just a jawbone. However many stood in his way, he could take them out because God had given him strength. But it only took three nights for the enemy to cut this man of God down. Three nights in the presence of the enemy, and he was nothing more but grinding, grinding in the captivity of the enemy. But blind, he lost his vision, he lost his sight, he lost his strength. That man, it only took three nights, and three nights in sin is not worth losing the promise God's given us. Three nights in sin, one second in sin is not worth losing the promise God has given you. Because when this wall happens, it's going to be harder to escape, because at points there's going to be a direct flow, a constant flow of the Spirit and the anointing of God. But when this wall is there, it cuts it off and it makes it harder. But with God, there is always a but. You do not have to be a casualty of the wall. Right. There is escape over, under, through the wall. It's not over till God says it's over. Right. It doesn't matter if you've got to drive through it with a truck. God can get you out. These people, they took such drastic measures to get over this Berlin Wall. They took, and they took pieces of cloth over time. And they saved these pieces of cloth. And they built hot air balloons just to get over this wall so they could escape the clutches of the enemy. It's going to take saving every drop and every ounce that we get to get over this wall that the enemy's trying to put in front of us for revival, for, for the city of Mary, and just to hear God's voice once, once again, to be able to get down on our knees in prayer and feel the anointing flow once again. It's going to take every ounce we can save to escape over this wall, to not become a casualty to what the enemy is trying to do. Uh, during this time, they built something known as the Totus Line. Uh, once again, choppy German, but it's called the Death Strip. Uh, it's, it's where the enemy could open direct fire on escapees at all costs when they tried to get across the wall. Because these Berliners had to escape. They knew they couldn't stay there anymore. And the only way the enemy could stop them is to put them in direct fire. That's the only way the enemy could stop them is, a, is because they were getting through the wall. They were going over it. They were going under it. They were driving through it. They were flying over it. So the enemy had to put a spot where they could get them in direct fire. And that's what the enemy's trying to do to us. He's move, trying to move us into spots where he can fire directly on our lives and target specific points in, in our walk with God and in our lives that we have today. Amen. But see, even with all the fortifications that the Germans put up, there was still a record of 5,000 people somewhat that managed to escape. Yes. See, this wall the enemy has erected before us, church, is not impenetrable. Right. The need for revival, we need it now. And the road to revival yes. is crossable. Right. You don't have to be a casualty through the wall. You could be one of the 5,000. You can make it tonight. Yes, amen. 
Amen. One of the things that seemed to fall casualty to the wall in this situation is our testimony. Church, in the time of struggle, don't let your testimony become casualty to the wall. Amen. See, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Hold on to what God has done for you. You see, our testimony is the vision of the future and our past. Amen. We need to have the vision that God's given us to stand upon to fight the enemy. And we need to have the things God has brought us from in the past to fight the enemy. Amen. Amen. But you see, the enemy knows that. The enemy doesn't want you to have a vision. The enemy doesn't want you to see. So East Berliners, the Germans, what they did is they blocked off all the windows. They blocked off all the visions, the vision ways to the other side of the wall onto West, to West Berlin. They blocked all the windows on the buildings where you could see over the wall because they know if they got a glimpse of what it was like on the other side, a glimpse of their family members on the other side, a glimpse of a victory on the other side, that it would take an army to stop them from getting to freedom. The enemy knows, church, if you get a glimpse of the revival waiting for you, if you get a glimpse of what God's going to do for your family, it's going to take an army to stop you. The enemy knows if you get a glimpse of your mom, dad, uncle, aunt, grandma, grandpa dancing in the spirit, your child dancing in the spirit, that the enemy cannot stop you from going. If you get a glimpse of a school ride revival, you cannot be stopped. If you get the glimpse of a city ride revival, you cannot be stopped. So the enemy takes takes away your testimony and it tries to take away your vision it takes away what you use to overcome we must use it to climb over the wall don't let your testimony become casualty to the wall the next thing getting attacks is your relationship with spiritual leadership representing what men and women before us have dug for us to dig into use and not to forget our apostolic roots, what God has done for many before us, so that we may have the precedence and the, the revival that we are having now. Soldiers in East Berlin, along with windows to see over, blocked off tunnels that were dug underneath the wall, where the wall where the once was once tunnels to to commute between one side and the other. They were closed off. You see, the enemy will try to harm your relationship between you and the elders and leaders of your church to cut off the access to the deep spiritual anointing that comes through submission to a pastor and submission to the anointing. Lies and gossip now cover the once clear path and easy traveled way between the spiritual and your world. No matter what the enemy tells you, a relationship is necessary with your pastor, with elders who have long ago dug down deep to give you what you have today. A connection between apostolics and you to cut the, the relationship off. This relationship would benefit the enemy in which he can take away your ability to dig into the roots that people have dug before you and the anointing that flows. Just as it flows since the beginning of sonship, it flows down. Amen. Don't let the devil take away your relationship to pastors or elders. Don't let your relationship right. become casualty to the wall. Amen. Uh, Matthew 10 and 1. Brother will betray brother to death, and father, his child, child will rise against their parents and have them put to death. You see, in this end time we live in, children are going to rise against their mothers. They're going to rise against their fathers. They're going to disobey what they have dug for them. They're not going to follow an apostolic father. They're not going to follow an apostolic mother. They're not going to follow a mother and father that know the gospel and believe that there is only one God and one way to get to heaven because the, one, the world's going to tell them different. The world's going to tell them something different. 
And they're going to follow them. Brother's going to turn against brother. You see, the, the enemy in our time will turn him against her. Will turn us against him, our pastor. Will turn us against the spiritual leadership in this church and against each other. Because he knows together we are stronger. I was listening to a book in preparation for this marriage. Uh, not marriage. This message. Sorry. Uh, I was listening to a book in preparation for this marriage. Oh, say it again. I was listening to a book in preparation for this message. It was called The Year to Remember. It was a documented, a documented history, an unknown history of things about the Berlin Wall. It was a man's first hand count about going to the Berlin Wall during the time that it was still here. And he got to he got to get first-hand accounts of guards who were at the wall the day that the wall fell. Guards were frantic at the, at the large amassment of people that would come in front of the wall. At each checkpoint, uh, the, the people stood in, in hundreds, close to even thousands of people stood, ready for this wall to come down. They were screaming for this wall to come down. And you know, during this time, the, the guards were so bombarded with people. When these people come together, the guards basically said, what's the point? And they dropped the checkpoints, and these people were allowed to go free because it is necessary to be connected to your brother. Because we are stronger when we stand together. Yes, if I was lame, if my legs didn't work, and if I was paralyzed, I would want four of my friends to lift me up yes. in the church and take me where I needed to be. Yes. If I was blind, I'd want my friend Jake to take me to church and get me healed. If I was sick, I want you to pray for me. And if you were sick, I'd do the same for you because we need to be connected in this time. Revival comes through unity. And the enemy cannot stop us if we are united. Don't let your connection to your brothers fall casualty to the wall. It is necessary. Another thing, don't let separation become casualty to the wall. Don't compromise in the same time. Don't compromise the standards that you have built up that your parents have built up for you. Don't compromise what God wants to do for you in your life because it only takes a little ounce of sin to compromise what God wants to do in your life. Amen. Yes. In Sunday school class, we've been going over the book of Luke. Uh, particularly, Jacob was, uh, I think he was, he was preaching at another church not too long ago, I think just last week, and I, I was preaching, I was talking to the Sunday school class, and we've been going over Luke, and we read in Luke 1. Uh, and Luke 1 and 57 is when Elizabeth, she has her son as promised by God, the son that she was promised. And, and out of tradition, they called this son Zacharias, but his mother wanted him to be called John. You see, Zacharias means, I looked this up, it means God has remembered. But John in translation means Jehovah has been gracious. Amen. You see, God, we don't want, we are separate because God has been gracious. We serve because we love, because he loved. We, we are like John. We are different. I mean, we don't eat locusts and honey, but we like to be loud in worship. Amen. We don't wear camel skin, but we understand holiness. We don't just love God. We are forerunners for his return, yes. just as John. We wax strong in the spirit. We use our early morning time for prayer. We dedicate time to reading the Bible. We don't drink what we, what we bring drunk on new wine. We don't believe in just one life. But we believe in eternal life. 
We are reborn with a name out of tradition. We are reborn with a name not of our fathers. You do not have to be bound by your father or mother's sin. You don't have to be bound by the sins of this world. You can be reborn with a name out of tradition. You can be born with separation. You see, apostolic is beautiful. Apostolic is separation. A dedication to a, of a life to a higher power, to one God with clean hands and a repentant heart. Apostolic is submission and realizing we're not perfect, that you don't have to act that way. Not Christians, but once sinners now saved. Once part of the world, but now separate. Not conformed, but sent to save. Holy for he is holy. We're not defined by the law, but we will overcome the law because he overcame. Don't let your separation fall casualty to the wall. Don't forget who you are and who you're called to be. Do not let your separation from the things of this world fall casualty to the wall. Amen. We're building a revival through the city of Marion. And during this time, walls will rise. But we cannot allow what we've already built and what's been built for us become casualty to the wall. Amen. The enemy will try to stop us. And we cannot let him succeed. Yes. You won't always hear from God. Everything will always be dandy in life. I can't promise you that if you were to give your life to God tonight, that you won't wake up tomorrow and still have the same bills to pay. And you won't wake up tomorrow and fight the same addictions that you have. But see, God has given us a way out, a rebirth out of tradition with a new name through separation. Life happens. We make mistakes. But as Christians, we must realize we make mistakes and turn from those mistakes and keep going. And not let the wall send us into, comp send us into compromise Amen. and lose our separation. We can't let anger destroy our testimony yes. and relationships with our leaders and brothers. We cannot forget God's power when we're blinded by an 11-foot, 87-mile wall, separated and alone from our family in the dark that the world wants to swallow us in. Forgetting the, out, the other side, the better life. Under the pressure of this wall the enemy has put before us. This wall that seems like it's just blocking every word God wants to send to you. Where you can't feel, feels like you can't feel his love. This wall that's cutting you off from the spirit that you once walked so strong in. Hallelujah. God wants to deliver us from this wall. Amen. We're intimidated by the 27 mile death strip of razor wire and armed ready to kill guards. But we're left to bleed alone. <laughs> We're left to bleed alone and feel that we cannot be saved and when we need someone else to save us. We are all in need of help at some point in our lives. At yes. some point in our lives, we all face a wall. Yes, amen. Some points in our life, we find ourselves in the same position as an East Berliner, in the need of an outside force to move. For them, it was Ronald Reagan issuing a challenge to current leader of the GDR, uh, Gorbachev, forgot his first name. But this is what Reagan's words sounded through history. And they actually rewrote this speech three or four times just because they wanted it to sound just right. But it was issuing a challenge to Mikhail Gorbachev in this time. And this is what Ronald Reagan says. Come here to this gate, Mr. Gorbachev. Open this gate, Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. Amen. You see, sometimes... The wall's too big for us to tear down. Sometimes we need an outside force to issue a challenge to the enemy to take down the wall that we see and fight in our lives. Amen. I haven't been long, but I need some music right now. This is when 
You haven't heard me all night long. You haven't heard a word I've said. Hear me now. Because the Lord wants to do something in this place. He wants to destroy and tear down some wall in this place that someone's facing. Tonight, you or someone you know is facing a wall. You need it tore down. Or you know someone of the same. You feel a lost connection. A wall of insurmountable force has appeared. And you were unprepared. Tonight, that can change. We just have to issue the same statement to a God that can save to a God that can change us. You may have walls thick and as strong as the walls of Jericho. So thick chariots raced on top ones that seem like they will never fall. That are too strong to be taken down by just some people with a mission. But just as the walls of Jericho, just as the wall of Berlin, yours can come down. You see, tonight the trumpets are going to blow. Just as in Joshua 6 and 20. And the walls will come down and we will take the promise inside. It was told to Joshua, specific instructions, not involving militant force. This wall is not going to take an army to tear it down. It's going to take a God. We need to realize that. It won't take an army, but a God. It won't take consistency. Maybe even more than seven days that it took for Joshua for this wall to come down. And the whole time, the priest carried the Ark of the Covenant around. Because this whole time, you're going to need to carry around God. We must bring God to our wall and issue the challenge for the walls to come down. Follow what he has told us. Let the walls fall flat just as the walls of Berlin and the walls of Jericho. Because now God's going to tear these walls down and we can access the promise. And then I challenge you tonight to come to this altar and give the same challenge to a God who is willing to do it for you tonight. A God who will come into your heart if you are repentant and he will change your life tonight. Amen. You may be sitting and thinking in your seat that this is not for me. That there's no way I can change my life. There's no way this wall that is put in front of me could ever come down. Hallelujah. But there's a God of strength and power who can take your wall down tonight. So why don't you say it? Why don't you have enough guts to say it? Come here to this gate, Lord. Open this gate, Lord, and tear down this wall. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Let's give God our all in our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, you will 